Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hopefully you're enjoying yourself and having having a good time. You know, it's it's October now. We're getting into postseason baseball, getting into cooler weather. Whether you're a fan of that or not, well, I mean, that's up to you. But I'm excited. You know, the as you can see here, got some topics to go over today. Gonna talk about the game with the Bucks and kind of the impact I see him having on that team. We also have the Celtics making an answer, getting Drew Holiday, speaking to October. What's synonymous with October? MLB playoffs. This is where, this is the time of the season where, you know, all-stars turn themselves into legends. If they can get a hot month run in, take their team to a World Series, it's what legends are made of. And then, I guess on a sadder note, do I have to talk about Tim Wakefield? Because as a Boston fan, the news of what happened definitely was, you know, something I just wanted to talk about. So, uh, we'll definitely get into all of that. You know, we'll have some fun with this, of course. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into it. You know, let's start with Dame and the Bucks. So, the Bucks, maybe surprisingly, ended up winning the Dame Lillard sweepstakes. Now, if you look at it, it, it maybe was not the number one choice for Dame. Obviously, he wanted to go to Miami. But they had their media day. You see him there. He's wearing the number zero, which is what he wore in, in Portland. He's wearing that with the Bucks now. I will say, looking at this picture, his smile's not as big as Giannis's, or even Brooke Lopez. I mean, Middleton. Uh, I feel like Middleton's not a big smiler. That's what I'm getting from this. But Lillard, I guess, looks okay with the situation i don't know you know it's not jordan Poole. if you remember jordan Poole, his little washington wizards introductory picture or whatever like he looked like a man that just realized life has just fallen in on him and i think an interesting part of this is and this is something i actually forgot about until the other day i think before the trade happened there was like this report now, Lillard told Portland he was willing to stay if he couldn't go to Miami. And Portland basically was like, mm, I don't think so. So if that report is true, then how happy can Lillard actually be in Milwaukee? Even though, according to Lillard, he wants to win. Uh, hey, Dame, you're getting to play with Giannis, who's arguably the best player in the league. Giannis does nothing but when, you know, he'll get to the playoffs. He, he's definitely a threat whenever he's on the court to get Milwaukee to the promised land. So this should fulfill Dame's needs. I mean, I guess Dame was just kind of had his eyes set on some property on South Beach living out on the ocean. I don't know. I mean, there's water in Milwaukee. You might have to live on a lake or something, but... I mean, I've never been to Milwaukee. So, I, I mean, I don't know what it's like there. I mean, Giannis seems happy there. Although, you know, Giannis did put a lot of pressure on Milwaukee to get a deal done. Which probably led to them getting Dame Lillard. But, anyway. 
you know, Dame, yes. Is Dame a great player? Sure. Is he a championship level player? That's where I push back with people. I I just don't think he is. I think he's another one of these guys that's like like Carmelo. Carmelo, great offensive talent. Didn't win it all because I don't think Car I didn't think Carmelo was a complete player. And because of that, he couldn't be the best player on a championship winning team. Later in his career, you know, Dame, I'm not Dame, Carmelo tried the Lakers thing and all that. Houston, whatever. But just didn't work out for him. Unfortunately, for Bucks fans, I guess, I don't think Dame Lillard being added makes them a bigger title contender. That's just me. I think the loss of Drew Holiday in this deal was big to them. Drew Holiday, I feel like out of Brooke Lopez and Middleton, was the most consistent teammate Giannis had. Other than his brothers, because they're consistently, you know, cheering from the sidelines and all that kind of stuff. It's probably a cheap shot at, at the Antetokounmpo brothers. I get it, but, you know, had to be said. But I think the Holiday loss is going to be bigger than Dame being added in. Bucks fans, you can tell me if I'm wrong about this. Let me know comment section, of course. I think the piece that if they could have moved probably should have been Middleton. And I think with these four here, Middleton is going to have the biggest influence on whether or not the Bucks can win a title, win another one. Because Middleton has struggled to find his form that he had pre-injury, whereas the last couple of seasons, he's just looked like a guy who's just not the same Middleton that, that we all kind of knew him to be. Fortunately, I'm starting to think Middleton could be like Clay Thompson and that we're just never going to see it again. I don't know. But also looking at these four here, Middleton's not really athletic. Brooke Lopez isn't all that athletic. Dame, I, mm, nah, I mean, Giannis, yes, Giannis has athleticism for days, but I feel like looking at the Bucks roster, they're not an athletic team. They, I think, still have some issues in terms of outside of Giannis, you know, who are you really scared of? And this is coming from, I guess, my point of view as a Celtics fan. When the Celtics face the Bucks, my only worry is, you know, don't let Giannis like drop 50 on you. I feel like if you don't do that, like if he doesn't score 50, you have a really good chance to beat them. Now, yes, Dame has more range than Drew Holiday. I get it. But Drew Holiday is more of a championship level player than Dame is. Because Holiday is steady, as a point guard, he can facilitate. He can shoot. Sure, he doesn't shoot like Dame, but he, he'll knock down big shots. He's a leader. I don't know how much of a leader Dame is on the court. I don't really get that from him. Defensively, Drew Holiday is legit all defense worthy. Dame, there's probably hard pressed to find more guys who impact defense as little as Dame does. Maybe Trey Young. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Who's, who are some like really bad defenders in the league? 
Either way, Dame is, is at, at the bottom there. And I, I still know, in a playoff series, especially in the East, if it's Boston or, I guess, Philadelphia, depending on what they do, even like a Miami, these are teams that play real tough when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, Philly, I don't know if I should include them in that, but I, I only included Philly because the Bucks seem to have an issue with Joel Embiid and trying to cover him. So that's the only reason why I threw them in there. As a whole team, with Philly still having James Harden, I don't really count them or take them seriously. But if Philly were to move James Harden at some point in this offseason, depending on what they bring back, maybe I would think a little bit more about Philly. But look, like, like, like I said, looking at Miami, Boston, even Cleveland, I don't know. I don't know. Look, maybe I'm completely lost on on Dame Lillard here. I'm I'm just not buying all in right now. Like I said, Bucks fans or just other NBA fans, let me know what you think. Do you think Dame has more of an impact than I'm giving him credit for? Looking at the other side of that, Drew Holiday was in Portland for a hot minute. Portland rightfully said. We're not keeping Drew Holiday. We're not in a position for a guy like Drew Holiday to probably want to stay here or for us to really need him here right now. So they made it known that they were going to flip him. I feel like the, the team that obviously came to mind was Miami since they lost out on Dame Lillard. Why not go get Drew Holiday? Didn't happen. But, you know, he, he does end up moving on. He's joining the Celtics, my Celtics, and I got to say, I'm all for it. You know, he and Dave and Derek White form a formidable backcourt that other teams are going to have trouble facing because both of them are so good defensively. That's what I'm excited to see with these two. And even offensively, look, Derek White came into his own last season. I expect to see more of that this year. And Drew Holiday, like I just went on talking about hits big shots in big moments. Now for a a lot of people who doubted Brad Stevens when he went to the front office, like wondering what, what kind of front office executive he would be. I I think if you haven't figured it out yet, you'd kind of know what he's all about. He's all about doing what he can right now to win right now. Cause a lot of Celtics fans and even I felt, whatever about you know smart robert williams grant williams being gone you know smart was seen as the guy who embodied celtics basketball with his toughness and everything like that robert williams is seen as untapped potential because of his ability to get up his length you know offensively he's still trying to figure some things out but the potential was there with him you know, Grant Williams was a guy who, especially in Bucks series, was, you know, somebody you could throw at Giannis and he could physically try to wear him down a little bit. But if you're going to tell me in this one offseason, you've turned Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Robert Williams into Porzingis and Drew Holiday, look, all feelings aside, you have to look at that as an improvement. 
I mean, I did see somebody on Twitter or X, whatever you want, whatever you call it, tried to say holiday and smart were the same person. I pushed back at that because I think that's crazy to say that. Then the person was just like, ah, I was kind of in my emotions when I said that. Understandably. Because like I said, Marcus Smart, for a lot of Celtics fans, he's he was like the one Celtics player that you identified with because he had been there the longest. I get that. And it's always tough to move on from players like that. But Holiday gives you the same thing defensively, and he's more reliable offensively. That's an upgrade. Porzingis to, I guess, Robert Williams. Porzingis is the clear advantage offensively. And then defensively, I don't know why people are kind of sleeping on Porzingis defensively, but he's a good rebounder. He's a rim protector, which to be honest with you, was probably an as- was probably the aspect of his defense that I probably overshadowed the most, but then looking at the numbers, he's a pretty good rim protector. Now, obviously, I'm not going to sit here and like make it seem like Robert Williams was some kind of bum or something like that, because Robert Williams was, you know, a favorite player for me to watch. The issues, of course, were there were times where he wasn't available when you needed him. And that's just kind of is what it is. So I hope he gets every opportunity in Portland to to kind of grow with Scoot Henderson and, and those players over there. And look, I hope Robert Williams turns out to be a really good center in this league. I do. I'm not one of these fans who's like, oh, you got traded away from my team. I hope you, you know, turn out to be a bust. No. Same with like Marcus Smart. I wish Marcus Smart all of the success he can have in Memphis Hopefully he, you know, gets into John Morant's here and makes John Morant a more mature player. Cool. But I, but I I can't sit here and say that the obvious upgrades between Drew Holiday and Porzingis was not a risk worth taking for Brad Stevens. So I give Brad Stevens an A, even A plus for this offseason. But I do think his job isn't done. But let's let's be honest. Losing Robert Williams, yes, you bring in Porzingis, but I still think he could use another big, which, oddly enough, Brad Stevens kind of knew that, and he went out and signed Wenyan Gabriel. It might not be a name that moves the needle, but he's a guy with length. He's athletic. So, I mean, he's not going to be asked to play 30 minutes a game. So it's it's fine with me. So I think Brad Stevens has done a great job so far. And I'm excited to see what this what this Celtics team does this season. You know, a lot of the offseason talk we've heard, like Jalen Brown and Tatum want to be, I think, all NBA defense. Love hearing that. I think the Drew Holiday addition probably will prove most important in late game situations. Now you don't need to have Tatum and Brown try to bring the ball up, initiate offense, create for themselves. You got Drew Holiday who can do all that for them and put them in positions to to succeed. You know, I like what I've heard about, you know, Brown and Tatum and all the other players there respecting the Holiday move, even though it was tougher than to see Smart and now Robert Williams and Grant Williams go out the door. I think it's important because, look, Holiday seems like a pro's pro to me, which is the same thing I, I said about Brogdon last year. 
but Brogdon, unfortunately, had his own injury concerns. So you look at Holiday as an upgrade over him as well. Now, the rest of the, the, the kind of rotation, it opens up spot for Pritchard to play now. I'm fine with that. I said this last year. I thought Hauser was going to have a bigger role last year. Eh, kind of. I think towards the end of the season, I said Hauser's going to have a bigger role this year. These moves, there's now like a clear-cut role and minute allocation for Sam Hauser. And I'm here for it. Because what can Hauser do? He can knock down the three. And you always need that in today's NBA. So I think this Celtics team is set up to be better this year than they were last year. That's Brad Stevens' job. I can't get mad at him. Missoula, this is like the first season of him actually getting to prep and get everything ready for the season. Remember last year was his first year as head coach, but the way he was thrown into the position was not ideal. And I think he took way more criticism for that than he should have. Now let's see this season with even upgrades to the coaching staff they made with Sam Cassell. Love that move. I've talked about it enough. Love the fact that Sam Cassell is on this bench because I think any weaknesses that Missoula is going to have, I think Cassell is going to be there to kind of correct all that. Cassell is going to have, I think, a good rapport with the players. I think they're going to love his mentality and the way he sees the game. Also, look, Charles Lee, who they brought from the Bucks staff, who knows Drew Holiday really well, I think that's a great addition. So I think we're going to see a better product on the court and a better job from Missoula, which means Brad Stevens has done all he can for this season. So let me know what you think as well. You know, my Celtics fans out there, do you like the moves? Do you hate them? Let me know. All right, so when I at the top, I said it's October. October, we think playoff baseball. The playoffs get underway today. Uh, I believe it's a quadruple header today. First game is at 3 p.m., and you kind of get baseball for the rest of the night. Not mad at it, to be honest with you. Uh, I guess to address baseball fans really quickly, if you were one of those who was kind of down for, you know, changing the play clock system and all stuff, the stuff for the postseason, I- I'm sorry, I can't get there with you. I'm glad baseball's keeping it the way it is because this past season, and look, you can label me however, whether you want to say I'm a casual fan because I watch Red Sox games. That's my team. Outside of that, I'll watch a little Braves because I am in Atlanta area, so I watched Braves a little bit. But I loved the new pitch clock and everything. It, it, it had a faster pace. There was more of a flow to the games. The bigger bases led to actual teams attempting stolen bases. Who doesn't love that? And I want to see more of that in the postseason. Everybody's fear that, like, oh, the pitch clock's going to drain pitchers, which is going to affect playoff baseball. Look, please. Give me a break. I'm glad they kept it the way, and let, let's go. So looking at this bracket, look, you have the Orioles and the Astros as your top two seeds in the American League. 
Although for a while this season, basically 95% of the season, the Astros were looking like a wild card team at best. Rangers faltered down the stretch and the Astros ended up winning the AL West. Uh, Braves Dodgers in the, in the National League, that's like a foregone conclusion that those two teams are going to finish at the top of the National League. So that's what we got. But looking at these first, you know, round matchups in the wild card round, there's, there's a couple of intriguing ones. I would say the best of the American League would probably be Tampa Bay and the Texas Rangers. And remember, the wild card series is not just one game anymore. It's a three-game series, which thankfully is the move they should have made. I hated the like one-game playoff because too many weird things would happen. But I, I think Texas and Tampa Bay is an interesting dynamic where Texas is going to lean heavily on their offense to try to carry their pitching staff. Whereas Tampa Bay is more of a balanced team, but they even even they lean, I feel like, more on their pitching staff than their offense. Their offense, it's not prolific, but they can score runs, obviously. Texas, I believe, their offense has to be prolific because of questions with their pitching rotation. But I do think that's the better matchup between out of them and then Toronto and Minnesota, where for Toronto, I feel like it's always going to come down to their pitching. Can their pitching match their offensive potential to help Toronto get a deep playoff run. We just haven't seen it yet. And that, like I said, it's always going to be the questions with them for Minnesota. I mean, most people are probably going to count them out anyway, because the central is just so bad, but out of Toronto, Tampa and Texas, they might've gotten the best matchup with Toronto. Cause like I said, Toronto's pitching staff has kind of held them back. And if Minnesota's pitching can neutralize Toronto's lineup in any way, create close games late, they'd have to feel better about themselves. I do think Toronto ends up finding a way to win that series, as well as I think the Rays beat the Rangers. But I would not be surprised if the Rangers beat the Rays in the first round. But I'll I'll take the Rays, though, and Toronto. Maybe that's AL East bias in me, but I'll I'll take the two AL AL East foes in, in those matchups. I don't believe they reseed, so Toronto would play Houston and then the Rays would get the Orioles. Rays-Orioles would be interesting. The Orioles aren't used to this position, being a one seed. How do they handle that now it's the playoffs? The regular season's one thing, and they had a great regular season. As a Red Sox fan, I've kind of rooted for Baltimore because I've seen the progression they've made with their youth movement. But this is a different animal now. If Tampa Bay does actually end up going there, Tampa Bay is battle-tested. The Orioles aren't. And that's what that would be my worry in that matchup. I kind of think Tampa Bay would probably knock off the Orioles, but if I'm the Orioles, I would love to see Texas win that one because I think the Orioles would beat Texas. So, I, I mean, Tampa Bay might just end up in the AL championship, to be honest with you. The other side, I think Houston beats Toronto or Minnesota. So I think that's a foregone conclusion that Houston's going to make the ALCS. I mean, Houston-Tampa, okay. I am rooting for the Orioles. I'm rooting for the Orioles to come out of the American League. That, that's just me being honest with you. I I just like seeing the Orioles actually be good because, once again, Red Sox fan, yes. But 
I've always liked Camden Yards, seeing the Red Sox play there on TV. Not like I go to the game, but, you know, on TV, Camden Yards was always like a beautiful ballpark to watch. I feel like Orioles fans are a good fan base. And I think after all the years of them being in the basement and then finally breaking through, I kind of just want to see them finish off the story and, and bring it home. Now, if they do make to the World Series, to be honest with you, I don't see the Orioles winning it because of a couple of teams in the National League. But like I said, I'm rooting for them to get there. The National League, I feel like the better wildcard series might it might be the fight. Well, maybe Diamondbacks and Brewers. Don't, look, the one thing I'll say for the Marlins and Phillies series this is like the Marlins with fourth time making the postseason as a franchise. And they have like two World Series titles. So go figure. When they make the playoffs, they usually make some noise. I don't know if that's something that happens now. But if that were to somehow happen and the Marlins win it all, I, I, I just would be kind of speechless at that point. Uh, for the Marlins, you know, to beat the Phillies, I, I mean, it's going to have to come down to their pitching and whether or not they can get it done. Yeah, because the Phillies team, it's a team that can put up runs. They have some pretty good hitters in their lineup. And for Miami, like I said, their pitches have to come through. Diamondbacks and the Brewers. I feel like the Brewers should have the advantage there, so I'd probably go with the Brewers. I think the Dodgers beat the Brewers. I think the Braves beat whoever wins between Miami and the Phillies, although the Phillies would probably be a bigger challenge to Atlanta than Miami. I feel like we're just on a collision course to the Braves and the Dodgers in the NLCS. I think the Braves are a better team, but like, don't the Dodgers have to somehow kind of get it done at some point? Yes. They won the world series in the shortened season. But I don't know. It's something about that year that just doesn't feel right for all of the big names the Dodgers have brought in, all the money they spent. You're telling me all they could muster from that was one World Series title in a season where they only played like 60 games? That, that doesn't really compute to me. So I think I think the Dodgers, more than probably any other team in this playoffs, needs to win a World Series now. Once again, you can let me know if you disagree with that, but yeah, it just doesn't, just doesn't seem to make sense that all the moves they've made and all they have is the 60 season World Series title to show for it. Although I still think the Braves are better than them, so I'm not picking the Dodgers to come out. I think we'll probably see Braves, Astros in the World Series. And... I think the Braves might end up getting it done again. Let me know what you think. So, just to reiterate, I have Braves, Astros in the World Series, but my rooting interest would probably be for the Orioles to face the Braves because I do think that would be great marketing for baseball to show two teams that get it done through, like, youth and, and you know, the right, the, not the right way, but like maybe like the more sensible way, we'll say. 
not just going out and just buying all the top names, but doing it in-house, I'm rooting for Orioles versus the Braves. So there you have it. And then, like I said at the top, I just want to take the last few moments to talk about Tim Wakefield. Actually, hold on a second. There we go. Uh, So Tim Wakefield was, you know, a Red Sox pitcher. You see him here with that recognizable knuckleball grip. You know, he died this past week at, what, 57? Obviously way too young. Uh, I believe he had brain cancer. You know, for me, when I looked at the Red Sox, Wakefield just was a Red Sox type of player. If you needed him to start a playoff game for you, he was available. If you needed him to go long relief in the bullpen, he was available. If you needed him to close out a game, he was available. Part of that was because he threw like 98% knuckleballs, which isn't as taxing on the Actually, it was it's pretty taxing on the arm to throw a knuckleball, but that's like any pitch. But it's not like as demanding as throwing like 95, 100 mile an hour fastball. Because his knuckleball was about what? 50, 60 miles an hour? I don't know. But um, yeah, he, he was always there. You know, towards the end, he was kind of on one year deals just to, you know, kind of be around the clubhouse. And contribute however he could. I also have always said before, like, I hate that that Aaron Boone home run had to be hit off of Wakefield. Because it was a position he should have never have been in. Because that was the game where, yeah, where Grady Little left Pager out there too long and all that. You know how that story goes. And Wakefield went into that game. He threw some innings. Kept the Red Sox in it. Like I said, it's a game they should have won. Whatever. But, uh, yeah, without going to extra innings, but Grady Little made his decision. And then, yeah, just seeing Wakefield walk off the mound in that loss, I hated it for him. But, you know, there were some good times with him, of course, because he did win a World Series or two with the Red Sox. I can't remember on top of my head how many he won. But, yeah, so, look, like I said, he passed away at 57. I feel like he'll, he wasn't a Red Sox his whole career, as that may shock some of you. He started out his career with the Pirates, I believe, who drafted him. He, you know, got his start there, but he'll be remembered as a Red Sox pitcher, like, let's be honest. And that knuckleball is just going to be synonymous with him. And I think even post-career, he became a broadcaster for the Red Sox. So even when his playing days are done, he's still stuck around with the organization. You know, I saw a lot of stuff with the players who, you know, had their, you know, thoughts and everything on it, uh, like David Ortiz and all the players he played with. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure I didn't get out of here without showing some love to Tim, to Tim Wakefield because he was just an important part of the Red Sox journey of, you know, ending that 86 year Bambino curse and everything. Wakefield was a part of that. So he'll always have a special place in the hearts of Red Sox fans. And yeah, that's all I want to say. So to 
his family and everything like that. Definitely thoughts and prayers with you. And no Wakefield's in a better place right now. But uh, but yeah, so thanks for tuning in. You know, hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you did, that's great. Appreciate that. You know, hope you go back and check out some of the previous episodes. Uh, and if you didn't like it, you can let me know what you'd like me to improve upon down in the comment section. Everything I talked about, you know, I'm definitely open to your opinion on it down in the comment section. Uh, for the audio listeners, I believe this is what third week now I'm back with you guys. So definitely appreciate all of you as well. As well, if you tuned in, maybe missed the part, want to hear the episode again, it's available. Uh, I think basically every place you listen to podcasts, that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it there. Uh, if there's a platform that I'm not on, you can let me know. I'll try to get it there for you. So thanks again. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, be safe out there. God bless. I'll catch you next episode. All right. I'm out of here. Enjoy the rest of your day.